3: Lisa likes the window seat at night, the lights below that tell her she's nearly home. Then there's the lights she can't see, the runway lights we power to bring her plane safely into land. And because at Energia we also power all of Ireland's street lights, Lisa's taxi home is that bit safer too. And no prizes for guessing who powers her house. Welcome home, Lisa. Energia, the power behind your power. Thank you.
0: Good evening, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Let's Talk Jets Radio. This is one of your hosts, Tyson Roush, and I want to welcome everybody. As There's a lot to talk about tonight. We have, you know, obviously the draft is around the corner, and the schedule comes out tonight. So we get to hear all these great predictions that won't matter in, in the month of April. So we, without <laughs> further ado, I'll, I'll bring up my, my co-host, Joe from Long Beach. What's up, man?
4: What's going on, Ty, man? I, I can't wait. Let's get going. I want to talk about the draft. I want to talk about the schedule. I can't wait, can't wait
0: to just get the show started. Let's go. Yeah, and we're going to start the show. We we have a special guest we're going to bring on right now, and his name is Doblin Osorio, and he's from Turn on the Jets, and the guys from TurnOnTheJets.com do a phenomenal job of providing, you know, on-the-field information, breaking down X's and O's, play, you know, player analysis. and it, It's a phenomenal site, and mm-hmm. Doblin came out with a mock draft recently that we're definitely going to get into. So, Doblin, this is Tyson and Joe at Let's Talk Jets. How you doing, man?
1: I'm good.
5: How are you
0: guys doing? We're doing great, man. And thank you for your time tonight. We really appreciate it. And, you know, I'll start it off with this. You know, the Jets have made a lot of headlines this offseason. Mike McKagan was, you know, active early and often, bringing in Revis and Camardi and Buster Screen, all these. What is your impression of the Jets offseason as we head into the draft?
5: Right. I mean, first of all, thank you guys for having me. I really appreciate, you know, you guys having the time to have me on. Um, in regards to your question about off offseason, I think it's gotten off to a really, really good start. I think that he identified needs that the Jets clearly had uh, towards the end of the season, and he went and addressed all of them. The Jets needed another wide receiver opposite Eric Decker once you, once you figured that they weren't going to bring Percy Harvard back, so you go and get Brandon Marshall. The Jets had a, a ridiculously understated need uh, in the secondary, and he goes and gets the best cornerback in football in Darrell Rebus. He goes and gets Antonio Camardi. He goes and gets Buster Screen as well. Um, they needed a safety. He goes against Marcus Gilchrist. They needed offensive linemen. He goes against James Carpenter. They also kept a lot of their own guys, which was impressive, because usually when you see teams spend as much as the Jets do, you tend to lose guys. that You tend to lose your own guys and so that's that's actually been pretty impressive and he set himself up now i think we're heading into the draft he could take the best player available because the holes that the jets have are lining up exactly with the who the impact players are in this upcoming draft
0: no, I I definitely agree with you. I mean, it was like it was kind of refreshing after the John Isaac experience last year where it was like we knew what our holes were and it seemed like Mike McCagney had a plan. He was like, "Here's my hole, right. you know, if if plan A doesn't work out, I have a plan B." And you know, you pretty much like you said, you you have it down to where you could go best player available there. Um now there's been some comparisons to Mike Tanabound just based on the way spelt spent the money. Like I mean, he, some of these guys are a little bit older, like you know Revis, Cromartie, things like that. What do you take for those comparisons?
5: I, I don't agree with them just because of the the structure of the contracts. Like I know there was a lot of Valley who went once they signed Cromartie at Cromartie's contract. When it turns out that Cromartie's deal is essentially a one-year deal, the Jets have an easy out after next season. The only guy the only guys that they're really committed to past the season that they've signed, uh, that they have a financial commitment to are Revis and Buster Screen. Even Marcus Gilchrist's contract is structured where you can get out of it after the season. Uh, same thing with Brandon Marshall. Brandon Marshall's owed no guaranteed money going forward. So you can theoretically see him being cut. So that's probably the biggest difference with Sam bond And I think, it's, I think it's an easy comparison to make just because Mike did spend a lot and he did some really, really good things here. But it seems like where Mike looked – Mike look to free agency to fill the hole. McCatahan might might be more adept looking at the draft, and I mean, we don't know that until we get through next Thursday, but it does seem like because that's where he cut his teeth, that's that's his kind of background. So I, w- I would kind of hold off on the comparisons between him and Tannenbaum just yet.
4: Very interesting take. I want to thank you again for coming on the show. I want to get to Absolutely. the draft. I want to talk about the draft here. Who do you have the Jets taking in the first round, and who's off the board?
5: Well, so I and I have the Jets taking Vic Beasley, the outside linebacker from Clemson. To me, he is the best pure pass rusher in the draft. He's a guy with a relentless motor. He, he continues to go after the quarterback. I think a lot of people are souring on him a little bit because they think that he can't stop the run. And I, from looking at his film, I don't think that he's a guy who – I don't think it's effort-based. I think it's just – I think he needs to be coached up to stopping the run. But he is by far the best pure pass rusher in the draft, and it's something that the Jets haven't had off the edge – in a really, really long time, and I think if you add him to a front seven with Mo Wilkerson, Sheldon Richardson, Damon Harrison, Quentin Copels, Harris, Davis, and then that secondary, that turns that takes the secondary from a very, very good, potentially very good secondary into a and a, and a very good defense into an elite defense. I have ahead of him. I have two wide receivers going to have Kevin White and Amari Cooper going in the top five, and Leonard Williams, who I think is the best court, who I think is the best player in the in the draft going third. And then I have Marcus Mariota going first, just because I think that the Bucs may err on the side of caution with Jameis Winston, and then I have Dante Fowler going fifth. So Beasley would be the best player still left on the board at six. Okay, uh, so where do you have Jameis actually going then? So in my mock draft, actually, I had Jameis dropping all the way to 18, all the way to 16, and dropping all the way to Houston. And I I think because with him, yeah, and because I think with him, whereas Jameis Winston is clearly, clearly the, the best quarterback in this draft, I think that teams like you look at a team like Tampa Bay. I, I I don't see them. I don't see them taking a chance at the quarterback position. And while I do think that, why well, I do think some of Winston's character concerns are a bit overblown, I do think that, that some some of the other ones are legit enough that you could see him fall. And I think he may be on the board when the Jets pick in the first round. And McHENRY going to have a choice as to whether he. Rolls the dice on Winston to come in and complete with Fitzpatrick and Geno, or whether he takes the he takes the edge rusher that I think the defense needs, and I think that's what he ends up doing.
6: Okay,
4: uh, even with, so, you tell me with, Jamin, with Jameis with lasting as long as you have on your mark in your mock draft, mm-hmm. do you think that if he if he is at six, is there a possibility that the Jets could possibly make a trade and be able to trade down, just you know, mortgaging Jameis still being there with teams clamoring and him being the number one quarterback in the draft? Oh, absolutely, absolutely, and I think the two teams that you might want to look out for for
5: potential trade ups, you're looking at a team like St. Louis, who's picking ten, uh, who's yeah, picking tenth, and you're also looking at a team like Cleveland, who has two number one picks based off of the Sammy Watkins trade from last year. Because you look at you look at those two teams, and, and granted, I do think St. Louis might have addressed their their quarterback need with Nick Foles. I, I'm a little bit higher on Foles, and I know a lot of people are. I know Jet fans were absolutely were absolutely devastated when they thought that the Jets might have had a chance to get him, but I think Foles is better than. A lot of people think he is, but I do think the Rams would, would be a team that you would watch the trade up for him. I worry about that just because Jeff Fisher didn't have the best experience with Vince Young, and Vince Young had less character concerns coming out of college than, than Jameis Winston. But I'd look at those two teams. I'd look at the Rams, and I'd look at the Cleveland Browns. And if the Browns called McCannahan and offered their first their two first-round picks for that sixth pick, I think McCannahan does that because then you have a chance to get two top-20 prospects um, with with the first – with your first two picks and then you still have the thirty seventh pick in the se- in the second round.
4: Yes, absolutely. And that's something that I've talked about on here as well. I'm I'm hoping that he does last until around the six and and if he if James is still there that we could trade down. And that Cleveland Brown pick, like you said, is something that is very interesting to me. I would make that trade in a heartbeat. So we definitely agree absolutely. there. And if and it, yeah, if he's not on the board there, then yes, Vic Beasley is my number one guy. So we're in total agreement here in the first round. My question Absolutely. is, in the second round, who do you have us picking in that round? All
5: right, in the second round, I actually had the Jets picking A.J. Kahn, the offensive guard from South Carolina. Now, for me, and and, and over a turn on the Jets, uh, Mike Nolan released his top, his, his top ten offensive linemen, and he ranked Brandon Shirk as his best offensive lineman. For me, I have Lyle Collins as the best offensive lineman in this draft, and I think Collins, Kahn, and Cameron Irving, the center from Florida State, are the three best offensive linemen. If you could get AJ Conn with a 37 37th pick and round, it, it, it was a 37 pick in the draft. You have a guy that you can plug and play him right next to DeMarcus Shaw Ferguson, a left guard, and suddenly what is right now is very very overrated off, off, Jets offensive line. Because I know that there's a lot of people who really believe that we have a very good offensive line and we do not. There's there's. Serious deficiencies there because Brick is starting to regress. Mangold is still playing at an all-pro level, but you do have questions because Brino struggled last year, and because you don't know what you're going to get from James Carpenter. But a guy like AJ you plug him in at left guard, and it has the potential to have the same kind of impact that Zach Martin had in Dallas. So he's the guy that I have I have taken. But you can go you can go receiver at 37 depending on who's falling. You can go defensive end if you went offense if you went offense off in the first round. But
4: I think AJ Kondi the guy that you take at 37. Oh, absolutely. I'm telling you, you are reading my mind. I've been talking about AJ Kans <laughs> from South Carolina forever. I, I think that is nice. an excellent selection in the second round, and we absolutely agree. I don't just think he can play left guard, though. I think he'll be able to slide out to that right side, too, that right guard. Uh, for so sure, for I sure. Think, where I think he might move, because I think Carpenter is the guy that's going to fill that left side. So I think we Can on the right side, absolutely, and we absolutely agree on, on our offensive line situation, too. My question for you is what are your thoughts about Ali Marpet and could he be a guy that we could select in that second round? Absolutely, and and I'm and I'm I'm very
5: high on him. I think I think that he's a guy who offers versatility, which is which is what you've noticed. McCannigan has tried to not only, not only with the star power acquisitions, but he's also signed a lot of depth guys that have versatility, not only on defense but also on offense. He's signed offensive linemen that can play either swing tackle positions or can play the guard or can play center. But I think I think you're going to see that in his draft too. Like he's going to target guys like you said. Khan can slide between left and right guard. You're going to see a guy. You're going to see his target guys exactly like you mentioned that can play both guard positions and that can potentially play tackle position. So yeah, I would not be averse to them taking him in the second round either.
0: Okay, right now we're talking with Dalvin Orsorio from TurnOfTheJets.com who's dropping all kinds of crazy knowledge. And see, right now Joe <laughs> Thanks, and Dalvin are having you guys are having this love fest here. And I'm going to break this all up because you know what? It's not all it's not all roses on this show. Dalvin, <laughs> nice. My, my, my question for you is this. With Jameis Winston in your eyes falling to six, you don't think the New York Jets would face a tremendous amount of pressure to pick him there?
5: Absolutely, I, I think they would absolutely face an insane amount of pressure to take him. But here's here's the thing with that one, and and it's, and it's a little hard to say this because it's the kind of first draft. But I I find it very hard to believe that a first year GM is going to make his first ever pick for 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 a team and have it be a guy that has character concerns. I just I don't see that. It's why it's why I. I would love to see the Jets take Marcus Peters in the second or third round, but I don't think they'll take him because you you're a first year GM and you you're trying to build this different this different culture of accountability and there's no there, there's no guarantee that you throw a combustible mix like Jemaine Winston or Marcus Peters into that and it's going to work. I do think that they will have a ton of pressure to take Jameis Winston or Marcus Mariota. If Mariota falls down there, to fall to six as well. There's going to be a ridiculous amount of pressure. But
1: speaking particularly
0: about Jameis,
5: I think that the character concerns are going to drown out all that pressure, and there's no way that they
0: take him. Okay, and then so now you, you've kind of ruled him out, and you I mean Joe kind of agree with mm-hmm. that. I, for me, if he's there, I'm taking him, and I'm going to rely on right. the coaching right. staff to, to coach him up. But but what about now? What about Mariota, who is you know the all American guy, who's a leader, he's a quiet leader, all these things. If he's there at six, are you taking him, or are you still passing on the quarterback?
5: I'm still passing on the quarterback uh, because mm-hmm. my, my one and and Jet fans may not like to hear this, but you should probably prepare yourself for the fact that Geno Smith is probably going to start Week One. That's probably what yep. you should prepare yourself for because yep. I think what it's what it's coming down to is. And I, I wrote an article earlier in the offseason when I said that the Jets should try to trade for Phillip Rivers, right? Because I think if you trade for a guy like Phillip Rivers, you're now in the discussion for the New England and competing for a Super Bowl. But with the Jets, what it's, what it's coming down to is I think they're building this not for just a one-year run at this. They're building this for a four- or five-year run at this. And it's their, I think ideally for them, they want Geno Smith to be the guy because it makes it easier for you to spend money at other positions when you have a quarterback on a rookie deal who still has two more years under your control. And Geno Smith, for all his inconsistencies, is flashed enough that you still want him competing with a veteran like Ryan Fitzpatrick or a quarterback like Garrett Grayson in the fourth round if you take him. But I, th- I absolutely think they're going to pass on a quarterback. I, th- I think that they're higher on Geno than they're letting on. And that's actually something that, that you notice with them they don't they don't with mechanic and Bowles, they haven't talked Geno up, whereas Rex and Lindic did the opposite, and partially it's because Geno was thisic guy, but it's it's refreshing to see that they're not handing him the position but i I think he I think Geno's going to start week one. I think they pass on either one of the quarterbacks that are available at six.
0: Yeah, and it's funny because both of us, both me and Joe, are both on the same boat with Gino. You know, it's like you may yeah. hate him, you may think all these things about him, but I think he's going to start, too. And I think I Absolutely. think he's got a chance to flourish in Changeli's system, especially with Brandon Marshall, and mix of things like that. Now, the question I have for you now, and you're doing a great job, and we definitely appreciate your time, Thanks. is would you, would you trade up for anybody? Like, we, m- My personal opinion is, I don't want to mortgage a draft for any one player because there's not an Andrew Luck. I mean, people have said Dante Fowler is the best player in the draft or best defensive player or whatever, but I still don't want to mortgage my draft. What is your take on that?
5: I I mean, I agree with you guys 110%. I don't think that there's any player
0: worth trading up for in this draft.
5: Um, For me, like I said earlier, Leonard Williams to me is the best player in in the draft. He's, He's got J.J. Watt ability. He's that good and there's a chance that he's going to be taken fourth, fifth, six or sixth over. Like, he may, he actually, like, there's been some talk even today that he may drop, he may drop the six, and then the Jets will probably have a real dilemma there, whether you take him or Beasley. But, no, I, I think, I think you're right. There's no surefire Andrew Luck. There's no Peyton Manning in this draft. There's no guy that you can say, you know what, if we trade up for this guy, we're set at the quarterback position for the next 10, 15 years. Jameis Winston has a chance to either make, in three years, make everybody look ridiculous or cost a lot of people their jobs. Like, that, there is no middle ground for him. And with Mary you wonder how he's going to transition to the pro game. Is he going to be able to be a quarterback that makes all the reads? There's some concerns that he can't make all the throws. Do you have to tailor your offense to him entirely, or is he a guy that can play in any offense? Whereas Andrew Luck, you can throw Andrew Luck anywhere, and he's going to be he's going to be good. And so I think that's the concern, and and that's why there's no player for me that I'm thinking. I'm like, you know what? The Jets need to trade up. The haul that, that Washington gave up to go get RG3,
4: that there's no player in this draft that I think the Jets should do that for. Okay, uh, where do you feel like Bryce Petty kind of fits in that in that quarterback in that echelon? Because you talked about Mariota, you talked about uh, Jameis Winston. Where is Bryce Petty in this?
5: So I have I have Petty as the fifth best quarterback in the draft. I have him after Winston, Mariota. I have him after Brett Hundley, and I have him after Garrett Grayson. Now my my thing with Petty is that Petty's a guy who if you're taking him, you know it's you know it's going to be you're going to have to take time to develop him. It's not going to be a thing where he's going to be able to play right away. And it's funny because you look at a guy like Mike Glennon who was taken in day two, and Mike Glennon came in and had a better year than Geno Smith and EJ Manuel, right? But there's no guarantee that Bryce Petty's going to have the same kind of year Mike Glennon had, and Mike Glennon went in day in, in day two. And so that's that's more my concern for him, but I think he's a guy who – if, you, if you're able to sit him, and if you're able to sit him behind a guy that he can learn from, say a team like San Diego takes him and he sits behind Philip Rivers, or say a team like New Orleans takes him and he sits behind Drew Brees, he's a guy that in three to four years you could look back on and say he might be the best quarterback in that draft. But there's so much pressure to play these young quarterbacks now that I'm not sure there's a situation that he can end up in, outside of the two that I just mentioned where he'll be allowed to sit, and that's exactly what he needs. Outside of Winston, Mariota, and Hunley, and, and and I know a lot of people aren't high on Hunley, but if Hunley ends up in Chip Kelly's system, I think Hunley's gonna Hunley has a chance to really flourish. Those are the only three guys that I think could, could probably start depending on where they end up now. But you talk about a guy like Garrett Grayson or a guy like Bryce Fetty, who you mentioned, those are guys that, that – those are project guys, and you're going to have to be
6: patient with them.
4: Absolutely. I agree with that as well. I think Bryce has the tools. But he definitely needs to, know. to have those two sharpened, and he has to, like you said, he has to sit behind somebody and learn the game from the bench and hold that clipboard. That's the guy, like That's you said, I think in a couple years from the draft from now, we'll look back and we'll say, you know what? If you got him in later round, maybe third, fourth, something like that, but you you got a solid little value pick because that guy can grow up to be, or grow into be a uh, solid solid QB. I'm Hundred percent agree. We t- Absolutely. We talked about the first round. We talked about the second round. What's going on? What is your third-round selection for the Jets? So I have been thinking,
5: actually, I have not taken Tyler Lockett, the wide
4: receiver from Kansas
5: State. And and this is based off of the assumption that I'm I'm thinking that they're going to go edge rusher in the first and offensive line in the second. The one thing that the Jets, I think, and, again, I don't think they have an overwhelming leader wide receiver. I think that Eric Decker, Brandon Marshall, and Jeremy Curley, that's a very good trio. However, the one thing that they don't have on the, on, in the wide receiving core is speed. And Tyler Lockett is a burner. He, for me, he reminds me of Deshaun Jackson. I look at him, and I, and I see a guy who has a potential to be a very, very serious game-breaker. And I don't know about you guys, but I'm, I'm a little tired of Jeremy Curley and his fair catches when, 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 when he's fun returning. I think Lockett helps out in that area as well. But Tyler Lockett's a guy who is an underrated route runner. He's very crisp with his routes. He's small. And I think that's why people are looking at, like, kind of looking away from him and not pegging him in with the Justin Hardys and the Jalen Strongs and the and and the Devontae Parkers of the draft. But Tyler Lockett is a very very good player, and if you got him in the third round, you suddenly had a guy who can flourish in in, in Changy offense in a very similar role to Stevie Johnson, where it's just he's he's a guy that's running around and Geno's gonna find him. And Geno flourished with a guy like that at West Virginia in Saivon Austin. And Tyler Lockett brings
4: a very similar skill set. Absolutely. What do you think about Trey McBride in that third as well? If he's still there, would you could you see us picking him over Tyler Lockett?
5: Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Because I think both I think they're interchangeable, and I think they present the same amount, the same the same kind of skills. I think they bring the 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 same things. I think what it is with. I like Lockett's special teams ability, but I think that in, in the third round, what you're looking for, you're, you're not necessarily looking for a guy that you can plug and play, but you're looking for a guy that's going to be able to maybe win you one or two games because of because of a really good punt return, because of field position. Because the Jets are still going to run the ball. I know a lot of people think that now that Gailey's in there, he's probably going to throw it all over the place. But Galey's been known, his offenses have been known to run the ball, that you want a guy that stretches the field vertically, and I think either one of those guys can do that.
0: Once again, we're talking with Dalvin Osorio from Turn on the Jets, who's just, you have our Twitter account on fire with your strong hot takes that
6: are, to be honest, (laughs) some some of
0: your takes, your takes are different, man. We've heard a lot of different, you know, a lot of opinions kind of saying the same things, and now you're coming with a whole different perspective, which we definitely appreciate. Um, The guy you have in the fourth round is Garrett Grayson, quarterback Garrett Grayson. And I have a couple questions on him. And the first one is, Mm -hmm. some people have him, especially today, they have him going as high as, the second or third round. What is your take on that? First off,
5: well, I I think that that's that's actually pretty incredible, and that just kind of speaks to the to the lack of quality quarterbacks in this draft. Um, because in any other draft, realistically, if this was any other draft, Garrett Grayson would probably be a fourth or fifth or sixth round quarterback, like yeah, a sixth round pick. Those those are the kind, that's the kind of that's the kind of guy that he is. But because there's such a lack of true potential franchise signal callers, like we mentioned, Bryce Petty, you have Brett Hundley, Winston, Mariota. That's why I think you're going to see him over drafted. I mean, he's a guy that again I have them taking him in the fourth, but him going as high as the second round would it shock me? Yeah, it would because I don't think he's I don't think he's that kind of quarterback. But I mean, I think we've gotten to the point where nothing can shock us at this point.
0: Yeah, I mean, but that's very true. And the second question I have just about quarterbacks in general is, you know, over the last you know six weeks we've talked about every quarterback possible, starting with free agency and now going into the draft and. I guess the concern now for me is that the environment, just with the Jets, just from the, the fan base and the media, you know, the ghost to Sanchez, the ghost to Geno, mm-hmm. it's there, and the patience level is minimal. So say Geno struggles, they want Fitzpatrick. Fitzpatrick struggles, they're going to want Garrett Grayson if he's ready or not. Do you think that's a, is it, is it a tough environment for a rookie quarterback on this team now, just based on the failure, not to say the failures of Sanchez at least, mm-hmm. and the struggles of Geno?
5: Oh, absolutely. I mean, and and uh, people have posed this question multiple times on Twitter, and and I actually, I a couple of you have said this response, and it's actually kind of funny when people say uh, that the New York Jet fans don't deserve Mariota because we'd probably kill him the minute he throws three interceptions. And I think that that's valid. I think I think that people tend to forget. You look at a guy like Eli Manning. Eli Manning when he threw four interceptions against the Vikings on Thanksgiving Day, Giants fans were ready to drag Ernie, Ernie of course, over Cole because they, they just felt that, you know what, you made a mistake by trading up to get this guy. This wasn't the guy that you should gotten And and obviously this was obviously contrasted by the fact that Philip Rivers and Ben Roethlisberger had – well, Philip sat, but Ben Roethlisberger started 15-1, and you know, his rookie year. I think, that, I think that it's very, very hard to do that, to, to win here. I think it's very hard to sit your rookie here. Um, and I, I think there's so much pressure to play him right away, which is another reason why I wouldn't take Winston, because the New York media is going to pressure you to play him, and every little thing that he does is going to be under a microscope. Same thing with Marriott. If Marriott is not loud enough in the huddle, if not is not uh, uh, assertive enough in the huddle, that's going to be magnified. So you look at a guy like Garrett Grayson, who's go- and again, like you guys mentioned, even with Bryce Petty, these guys are going to struggle. And what happens the minute they throw... Let's say they have a game similar to what Gino had against Buffalo last, last year. The New York media is going to tear them apart. I think it's a valid concern if you guys hit it on the head. I'd be very, very concerned about bringing a rookie quarterback into this situation. But I will say this. I think, and and just so it doesn't come off as like entirely bashing either one of them, if there's two quarterbacks that I think can handle that, it's Marriott and Winston because they've been under the spotlight all their lives. And I think that Winston especially – has this thick skin. I compare it to Barry Bonds a little bit where things just tend to brush off. He doesn't seem to pay it much mind. And so if there's a guy that can actually handle all of that, I think it would be worth it.
0: Yeah, no, and I agree. And I guess my my question is this. You know, in the past, I think one of Rex's, I mean, listen, mm-hmm. I'm not gonna bash Rex Ryan too much time, but the thing is I think he failed the quarterback in a variety of aspects. And yeah. you know, going going forward, I would like to see if they take a Garrett Grayson, or they take whoever, even it's Bryce Petty, and they take a guy like that and they're not ready to play, I'd like to see McCagnan and Todd Bowles come out and say, Listen, you guys can write all the articles you want. You can mm-hmm. chant his name every day in a statement all you want. He's not playing. If they take a united front and come out and address the media and cut off the story, I think some of this environment goes away and I, I I mean, my personal opinion is I think Idzik fostered it and Rex fostered it and it became a mm-hmm. problem. Do you think that if Bowles and McCagnan kind of approach this quarterback situation differently, they can kind of eliminate some of this nonsense with the quarterback position?
5: Yeah, I think you actually hit it right on the head, Tyson. I think I think Rex did a lot of – he fostered a lot of that environment that – like he took a lot of the lumps for, for, for his players, I mean, and, and rightfully so, I mean, it's one of the things that I love the most about him. But I do think that because there was this – this just this very very toxic environment where it's very hard to develop a, a quarterback in. Now a lot of people argue that you can't do that with a defensive with a defensive head coach. However, I will counter that that Teddy Bridgewater seems to develop just fine with Mike Zimmer as his head coach. So I think that I think that that's a that's not a, a that's a cop out. I think I think what you said, McConaughey and Bowles, if they do draft one of these kids. I think they need to come out and say, listen, we're going to play them when they're ready. You can write exactly what you want, but they'll play when they're ready. We will determine that when it's best fit for him and for the New York Jets.
1: Will the New York media
5: get off their backs? Probably not, but at the very least they'll set it up where, you know what, this is what we're going to do as a franchise. This is what's best for us. Um, And you mentioned Rex. I mean, granted, I won't won't bash him, but that's a concern of mine now that he's in Buffalo because I like E.J. Manuel. What happens when E.J. Manuel struggles is he going to be able to develop with Rex Ryan, but that's, more an issue left for the seven one six
4: than for us down here. I, you know, I, I don't necessarily agree with that and everyone mm-hmm. knows that I'm you know, I like Rex and, and he's in Buffalo now and it is what it is. But I, I think right. when people look back at his legacy here, they also forget that he did give Mark he he tried to get him to flourish. He, he did he did help a rookie quarterback along. He gave him the best offensive line in the league. Mm-hmm. He gave him the best running game in the league. He, he gave him targets like Braylon Edwards and 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 Santonio Holmes and yeah, Dustin right. Keller. So it wasn't like Brex just absolutely abandoned the quarterback Absolutely. and didn't try to develop anyone. He gave him weapons. He gave him quarterback a quarterback weapons. first yeah, first two years Marcus Here he gave him weapons. Now there were some things that came along with our salary cap issues and you know, issues right. and things like that that definitely had his hands tied. I don't excuse Brex from that because Plus. Getting whatever you need to be top of personnel, but at the end of the day, Rex, I think did make attempts to develop quarterback positions, but he may have not have done it as well as you know other you know offensive minded coordinator or offensive minded coaches yeah. have done it in the past. But I do think that people give him a really hard time about that, he he has tried in the past, and that's just my spiel on Rex. I'm not here to. <laughs> So up you no, know. no, I I respect I it, man.
5: I respect it entirely. And like for me, yeah. I, I'm a huge I'm a huge Rex Ryan fan. I I I I'm I actually like I, I was I, I'm gonna miss him now that he's gone. I think that where he struggled at the most, because you're right, he did do those things during the first two the first two years. Him and Tanenbaum built this team that that could deal with the growing pains of a rookie quarterback. But then in year three, and which I mean I get it. you Trust that now is the time. They up Sanchez and passed him. Sanchez had his best individual season, but the just missed the playoffs. And so I think I hope that Bowles has the awareness the or to know the limitations of his of his players because that's something Rex did. Rex thought his players could do anything and everything, and I think that's where he might have failed. Mark Sanchez is just with raising the bar too high for him.
4: You know, I, I can I can agree and disagree with that. I think that was just part of Rex's coaching style. I think definitely, behind doors, he, he, knew, he knew limitations because there were things that they did not give Mark to do that Mark did not do well. Um, right. But I think it just kind of fell apart. And I also think that a lot of things that played into Rex's and, and the issues with his offense was the fact that he had a lot of really bad coordinators, from Schottenheimer definitely- to, you know, Sperano. Like, if, if there's any – huge problem behind Rex. If there was anything that to slam him on was the fact that the man did not know how to get a coordinator. He, he's got a crappy coordinator up there with the Bills, too. But it, what's done yeah. is done. <laughs> what's done is done. I'm not here to back Rex. I'm not, I, I wish him all the best. Um, you know, whatever whatever he does is up there. I'm still a Jets fan. I hope we kick the crap out of him every single year. If you're not there here, if you're not wearing green, I, I want you to get destroyed. So I wish him the best, and we're going to destroy him twice a year. So, I want to get back to the draft, man, because we have had some awesome takes here. You're awesome. You know what you're talking about. We talked Thank about you guys. from I the first, Yeah, we've talked about from the first to the fourth. I want you to give me your fifth round selection. Where do you have us picking in that fifth round?
5: So the guy that. So I actually have so. The Jets, because of the Brandon Marshall trade, don't don't pick in the fifth. They don't pick again until the seventh after the after the fourth round pick. But I have been taking mm-hmm. Hayes Pullard, the inside linebacker from Southern California. And now the Jets went out of their way this off season when they to rebuild again the depth, the depth of the team, and that was in the secondary. That was just the deep on the defensive line, and on the end at the inside linebacker position, they signed Joe May, they signed Jamari Lattimore, they signed Aaron Henderson. I think Hayes Pullard is a guy who he's a guy that can be molded to eventually replace David Harris. And because I think what it is is that now with them, you look at a guy like Joe Mays and Aaron Hedges, there's versatility there. And you've heard me say that word time and time again while I've been here. I think that's the biggest thing for Bowles defense is versatility. He wants guys that can play multiple positions. He ran the fewest three linebacker sets last year with Arizona. I think you're going to see a lot of that in New York as well. But Hayes Pullard is a guy in the seventh round who you can theoretically take and he can learn behind Harris, similar to how now Dee Milner is going to learn behind Revis, and similar to how a young receiver would be able to learn behind Brandon Marshall and Eric Decker. And you, and you have him there to learn for a year. And he's a physical player. He's a physical inside linebacker. He can cover. And he's he's a he's an angry tackler. And the Jets, the Jets haven't had to nasty in, in that linebacking court in a really, really long time to spark Scott. And I think Hayes Fuller is in that mold. And if you get him in the seventh round to learn behind David Harrison and eventually take over, I think you're continuing what
4: McCannigan is trying to build here. That would be an excellent selection there. I'm wondering, what are your thoughts about Bryce Haggard or uh, Zach Virgil from top State? Are those guys that could also fill that role if they're there? Absolutely. So yeah, absolutely. I, th- I think you're gonna you're gonna see
5: because when McCannigan was was in Houston, they the, the later rounds were used more to take like offensive linemen. And, and so I know some Jet fans think that. They made pass on off offensive line early on, and then just wait for the later rounds. They took Derek, like for example, in Houston, they took Derek Newton in the in the seventh round, and he's now a Pro Bowl right tackle. So, I, so I can see that, but I think I think they're going to see them try to fill. Positions of need where, like maybe somebody may be retiring, you may see them take a flyer on a, on a cornerback in the seventh round. Also, like you're going to see them take positions. I think where there's veterans who may whose contracts may be expiring. You see, Camardi, they can be they can have an out after one year. They can do that. But yeah, I, I think I think the two guys that you mentioned, along with Fuller, are in the mix for that for the 198 pick overall because. I think that what they're trying to do is free agents and, like, veterans are, are going to be the primary targets, but then you're going to see them supplement that with the draft, which is something very different than what talking Buffett did.
4: Okay. Also, with everything in your draft now complete, we know all your picks here. Hmm? You did not have the Jets address the running back position at all. Are you happy with Ivory, Ridley, and Bilal Powell at this point? Or could you? is there any kind of situation where you could see the Jets take a running back in the second? Or maybe even the third.
5: Well, one I, I I love Ivory Ridley Powell and Daryl Richardson, who always seems to be like the forgotten man, and, P, and people tend to forget that we have we have him on the roster. Which I get, I absolutely get, because he didn't do much last year. Um, but but I think I think it's entirely possible that they go into camp with those four halfbacks um, in the in the second, third, or fourth round. I can see them possibly taking a guy like Steve Johnson from Miami or T.J. Yeldon from Alabama. I could even see them if. If Melvin Gordon slips, if Todd Gurley slips, which I don't think they will. I don't think they will. But I could see them possibly taking a chance with them if they acquire more picks in the late first round, early second. But I do think that they, I don't think they're going to address running back in, in the draft. I think that they will go into camp with Ivory Ridley, Bilal Powell, Daryl Richardson. I think Richardson is going to serve more as a camp body as Ridley comes back. But I, I
1: think because
5: of the because of the nature of what their offense is going to be, and I think they're still going to run the ball, which is why you'll see. Like Powell will be featured a lot, and and Ivory and Ridley. I think the one thing that they're missing is a pass-catching back, and Richardson has pretty good hands, but that's probably where I could see them trying to take a guy. But if they drafted Tyler Lockett, then Lockett could theoretically fill that role. So I yeah, I, I don't think I don't think they're going to take a running back in the draft. And I actually like Ivory Ridley and and Powell. It's my hope that we don't have to see any more uh, four wide receiver quarterback sneaks on um, first and goal like Marty Morningway ran last year.
0: Just, Give it to thirty three and let him let him pound it in because that's that's about as easy as money. Well, once again, we're talking with Dalvin Osorio. <clears throat> Excuse me, turn on the Jets, who's who's been very generous to offer us this much time. And before we let you go, you've been sp- all these positives, all these great things, all these good options for Jets. Is there somebody in the in the first second round the Jets took that would really infuriate you or make you unhappy in terms of the of the price? We got to Hey man, we got we got plenty negative time too here. Got Anybody right. that the got Jets the right. picked? Is, is there anybody out there that you would be upset with if the Jets took in the first two rounds?
5: Oh, absolutely. I have I have a laundry list in my phone of notes of guys that I will I will throw my phone at the screen if they get taken. Um, yeah, no, the the guys that I absolutely like unequivocally do not want. I do not want Shane Ray. I think I think I think Shane Ray is the epitome of a like he's just going to be a tweener that's not going to do anything in the NFL. Um, and if I ever meet him I will tell him that from behind a bigger man than I am. I think I think that's the best way to handle that. <laughs> um, Shane Ray is the a guy that I want. Um I'm I'm a big Dorio Green Beckham fan, right? But I I, I might lose my mind if the Jets take him just because again, character is I don't think I don't think this is I don't think that's a guy that you that you want to take. Um, I'm not an Andrews Pete fan. I I I don't I don't really like him. I think there's better I think there's better offensive linemen out there. Um, I might lose my mind if the Jets take Bryce Petty. I, 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 I like that might because I because there would be so much pressure for him to play right away. Um, so I don't I don't really like him. Randy Gregory, I'm a little iffy on because I think he's going to be good, but it also depends on the situation that he's on, and I I don't know how well he would do here. Um, those are probably like the big name guys that that I would really really not like. I, I just would not want them to take. Um, other than that, anybody else is probably like fair game. Like I think I'll be happy with pretty much anybody else. I would love if they took Marcus Peters, just to get that out there, because I think Marcus Peters would be the next Richard Sherman. I think if the Jets took him at anywhere in the draft, I'd be ecstatic.
0: That's an interesting call there. Well, I mean, Dalvin, first of all, I want to thank you for all your time tonight. I mean, once you Absolutely. see it on Twitter, you can realize how much of a stir you caused tonight. Let everybody <laughs> know, I mean, obviously you're with TurnOnTheJets.com, which is a phenomenal site in terms of information and Jets content. Tell all our listeners how they can follow you.
5: Absolutely. Well, first of all, thank you guys for having me. I really appreciate it. It's been a lot of fun. Um, you guys can follow me at Twitter at disable underscore MFI. Um you can you know, I'm I'm incredibly respectful. I don't I don't I, I will debate you but I won't curse you out, so I can promise you that. Um you <laughs> know, so you can follow me there, you can you can uh contact me via the site, you can hit, you know, at Turn on the Jets and I I respond to all of that. Um a huge shout out, you know, if I could do this at twenty six shirts dot com, we'll do amazing work up in Buffalo, they're gonna love Rex. Um and thank you guys for really having me on. I really appreciate it.
0: Dalvin, no problem, man. You know, after this draft comes and goes, we got to bring you back on and get your thoughts to see where we agree and disagree.
5: Sounds good. Sounds good. No, I look, I'm look, i looking forward to it. Thank you so much, guys.
0: Have a good night, man. Thank you again. Y- you too. All right. Well, Joe, that that was Dalvin Osorio, D.A. Osorio from Turn on the Jets, and Man, he dropped all kinds of knowledge and not a lot of popular opinions, which I think is refreshing at this point.
4: Absolutely. Especially his opinion about, you know, where Winston would drop uh, – I definitely I can see that happening, and I see a lot of people are on fire right now. They're making comments and they want to talk about it. So yeah, he's he's got a great knowledge of the draft too. I like a lot of his picks, and uh, you know he knows what he's talking about. So he's a great guy. Yeah, I mean, and like you see,
0: we've had analysts on the last three weeks, and everybody has their opinions, and you could agree or not agree. But I mean, they're they're studying tape, you know, they're they're putting the, the, the time into it, so I respect all that. But with, with that being said, we have got to go to the phones because we've got a zillion calls on hold right now. So just be patient with us. We'll get everybody on. And the first call tonight will be Ben, who wants to talk about my favorite topic, this is Geno Smith. So Ben, this is okay. Joe and Tyson. Let's talk Jets. How you doing, man?
8: I'm doing good. Uh, thanks for having me on. So yeah. I don't really have a specific question, but I just want to share my thoughts on uh, Geno Smith and uh, see what you and uh, Jets Nation thinks. So I feel okay, like again. most Jets fans. Yeah, sorry. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I feel like most Jets fans, even though none of us are making the decision, have uh, wondered whether they would want the Jets to draft Marcus Mariota if he's there, or stick with Geno Smith and improve the roster. I myself, you know, I've gone back and forth. Like if you asked me last week, I probably would have said Mariota. But now I think I'm starting to uh, settle down on Geno Smith and drafting uh, a Fowler, Beasley, or even an Amari Cooper. So I guess this is my sales pitch for Geno. You know, looking at him, the main problem I've seen with him in his two, in his first two seasons, you know, are his inconsistencies. In his rookie season, I mean, I remember he has the he has a horrible game against the Titans. Next week he has one of the best games in his career on Monday Night Football against the Falcons. A couple weeks later, amazing game against the Pats and then he gets benched the next week against Cincinnati Bengals because he's just horrible. You know, same thing. I thought that could change, but it didn't really this year. He has the worst game of his career in my mind. He only played a half. He threw three interceptions, three drives against the Buffalo Bills. But by the end of the season, he has a perfect pass rating. So I was looking at it. You know, you got that direct TV, so you, <laughs> you get to watch all the games. So I was looking through it, and I tried to find a reason. I mean, this guy, he has so many gifts. I mean, he has great size for QB. A cannon for an arm. He's great athleticism and speed. And he's actually very accurate if you look closely. He's not like Sanchez who would miss a guy by five yards. His main problem is that he can't read a defense whatsoever. And I don't know Gino personally, but I think this can be attributed to his lack of film study. I mean, I say this because he's missing meetings in San Diego because he's confused about the time zone. You know, Peyton Manning wouldn't miss that meeting because, you know, he studies film like it's addictive. But on the other hand, you know this might sound crazy, but Peyton Manning wishes he had Geno Smith's you know athleticism, speed, and even arm strength, you know. But if you put, on the other hand, if you put Peyton Manning's brain and ability to read defenses in Geno Smith, oh my, he would be the greatest. <laughs> he would be <laughs> Joe Namath.
6: Okay, and I, hold I on.
8: Now, before it. I know everybody's thinking I'm crazy, but let me no, no. let me give I, it some, I, a defense. But, uh, uh no
4: no, I, I don't don't think that you're crazy at all. Uh I you know if if anyone had Peyton Manning's brain, if any quarterback no. was able to get Peyton Manning's brain, believe me, they'd all be good. And I want to thank you for calling in as well. The thing about that that I, I wanna hammer home with Gino is that if you look at his first year, every all you said these inconsistencies, that's gonna to happen to a rookie. That's that's just with the lucky
2: land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Boyd were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions
7: apply. See website for details.
4: Factual. Rookie quarterbacks have inconsistencies. I don't care who it is. You're going to see interceptions. You're going to see wild throws. You're going to see things go. So when you move to a second year, the thing about Geno is, and everyone knows that I, I'm, not, I'm not the biggest Geno guy on the world, but what I have seen is I've seen the flashing. I've seen the things where his physical gifts, and, and his ability to make throws and, and different things, it just you see the flashes every so often where it's like the light is gone and he's moving. Now my thing is, when you move into this year, this is the put up or shut up year for Gino. He's in Gailey's system. This is it. He's doing things to improve himself. That's why I I wasn't high on Gino before this, before coming into this year. But if you look at him, he's doing things to improve himself. He's working with coaches that have worked with you know great quarterbacks like Tom Brady. He, he's taking the steps to work with Marshall. He's getting he's getting into the rhythm and learning the system. So I think this is the year where we see Geno, again, it's a put-up or shut-up year. And Gailey's system might actually benefit Geno. It may make Geno better. This might be the system that fits him, possibly. This might be the coordinator that finds something to to better him and make him move. and get. If, if he just becomes a solid game manager, a guy that doesn't throw a bunch of interceptions, with all of the talent that we have on the team, with everything that's around him, if you just make the check-down throw, Every time Gino and, and you you throw it in the dirt when nothing's there, then this may benefit you. But you know what the wild card is? The wild card is if that Gino, if Gino does not produce at all, guess what? We got Ryan Fitzpatrick, a guy <laughs> that knows Daly's system top to bottom. So my question for you is, what do you think about Ryan Fitzpatrick? Is he a guy that you could see beat Gino out and, and also quarterback this team?
8: Well, the thing with Ryan Fitzpatrick that I see is. I and this isn't a popular opinion. I mean, a lot of people like kind of want him to start. What I'm seeing, uh, you know, if Geno Smith fails, but I, I see I see him in more of a, a Mark Brunell role. He was, you know, so beneficial for Mark Sanchez in his first, I mean, his second and third seasons. He helped him learn that offense. I know Sanchez fell off in the end, but Sanchez was a, an okay quarterback in 2010. I, he was my favorite player, you know, and. I think Ryan, he can he can pinch hit if if Gino's not doing well, because you know the analogy I had for Gino, and I was about to say exactly what you said, you you backed it up perfectly. The analogy I had for Gino was that he's he's the kid in school that that is so smart but doesn't do his homework. So instead of getting an A, he's getting a D. I mean he I think he just I think he can just put in just a little more. I think a guy like Darrell Revis, who wins with his film study, will help him a lot, even though they play different positions. I think if Reeves could rub a little of that work ethic off on Gino, he'd be a very good quarterback.
0: See see Ben I think Ryan Fitzpatrick's definitely a step above Mark Brunel just in terms of his ability, his familiarity with the Chan Galley's offense, just the mm-hmm. way he played last year in Houston. I, I think I think he's a significant upgrade and I think he's gonna push Gino once he gets healthy. So I, I think I would kinda disagree with that. But Ben, we got a ton of before we let you go, how old are you, man?
8: Well, I am fifteen in six days. <laughs> but a Jet fan was <laughs> well, like five. <laughs>
0: Happy happy early happy early birthday, bro! And thanks for calling, man. We appreciate it, and please be sure to call in again.
8: All right, thank you. I will.
0: Man, Joe, these kids are amazing with their knowledge of the of the game and the draft picks and the analysis of the players. It never see, It's just amazing, isn't it?
4: Dude, I love it. The young fans calling in and they're bringing the heat, man. I absolutely love it. they they're so knowledgeable, like you said, and they know what they're talking about, especially the draft stuff. And, the, the you know, the analyzing of the players as well, I just, I'm just i loving it, man. Go young Jets fans. Let's go.
0: <laughs> well, we'll go back to the busy phone line. So, if you're on hold, please give us a couple minutes. We'll get you, everybody on. And uh, our next our next caller will be Rick from New Jersey who wants to talk about Geno Smith. Rick, this is Joe and Tyson. Let's talk Jets. How you doing, man?
7: How you doing? All right. Um. Yeah, Now I'm not, I actually have more of a Geno Smith question, but before I do – I do slightly disagree what the kid said earlier about Geno Smith, about being lazy. I think the main reason why he doesn't study is I don't think he actually picks it up as well. So I think he just knows, like, I think he knows his jump climbing. Like, he knows, yeah, I'm not that really great at studying Sam and picking up defenses, especially because the work he Especially, I think the work he did this off-season kind of reflected. He didn't really go do, like, a whole bunch of film film study. He worked at, actually, his game, like, you know, passing better and whatnot, his mechanics a little bit. Like, to basically conditioning work versus, versus studying the film. So I think he actually kind of knows he's not that great at it, but he's working at what he's good at and trying to make it better. But that's yeah, see, I would,
0: I would, I would, to be honest with you I would completely disagree with you and I, I've, I've, a couple of issues I have with Gino and I think of that comes from the coaching staff I think that Rex Ryan and his staff maybe lack some kind of like enforcing accountability with their players which uh, to me was a problem all, all throughout the building and in terms of Gino doing the work I mean he, he was with a quarterback guru house working I mean when they go when they go with these guys they don't sit there and just throw 40 passes and okay that's a good workout they're doing film study they're working on footwork technique it's a conversation comprehensive uh, training program, so I don't really think it's that. I think there's a learning curve in the NFL. I think he had a lot to learn. I don't think Rex and Morningway probably helped him as much as they could have, and that's why I'm curious about how Chan Gailey can help him, because he's proven to maximize potential out of his quarterbacks, as evidenced with Thigpen Penn and Cordell Stewart and Brian Fitzpatrick and everybody else, so... I I kind of would disagree with that. I think Geno gets a bad rap. I mean, missing a meeting last year was was an awful look for him. But, I mean, I think he does a lot of the work. I think he does a lot of work under the radar. I mean, Joe, what do you think?
4: Yeah, I I agree. I think he does a lot of work off of the radar. Um, I I think that it's kind of an all-encompassing thing when you work with these quarterback uh, coaches and gurus. I I just think that Geno at times lacks focus. And I think that Geno, and I've said this a thousand times, Gino has all the physical tools, all the tools in the book. It's the mental stuff. It, it, it's going out there, knowing what's going on, and, and making the adjustments in. And I think that that's where he may have struggled. And uh, like you said, I think that Rex, not just Rex, the morning wig, um, and a couple other things that he's been in since he got here, may have helped to help him struggle. They didn't. They didn't. You know, give him the tools necessary at certain points. Because at one point, he was throwing the Clyde Gates and Stephen Hill. Those guys are trash. When you move forward, you know, he, he he's throwing the guys that, you know, but when he finally got weapons in here, like if you look at when he had Harvin, when he had Harvin, you know, he was forcing the ball there, and he was doing different things. It's just like you have to put him in a situation and, and a system to win, and I think the Galey system, because, again, this is put up a shit up here. I think that this may be the system that's fit for him and built for him. So. I think it's, it's kind of an all-encompassing thing. You have to have a player that understands his role, knows knows what he needs to do, knows his checkdowns, knows his hot reads, knows his adjustments and his audibles, and he also has to be confident in the system. And I think that Galey's going to do everything that he needs to do to make sure that Gino's in that mindset.
7: All right, now let me just get to my question real quick. Uh, like, how much of a turnaround do you think is expected of him anyway? Like, for him to, I guess, keep his job and whatnot. What do you think is is their expectations, like minimum expectations
4: for, like, a turnaround? As far as possibly, do you mean Gino? For, um, yeah, his production.
7: yeah.
4: His production. I think Gino's production is because if you look at what Ty, everything that Todd Bowles has said, it, this is still going to be a team that's going to complement the defense. So when you talk about complementing the defense, bro, you're talking about running the football. Okay, this is going to be a team that's going to run heavy. We got Ridley, we got Ivory, we got Blount Powell. Those legs will be moving this year. Okay, now are they going to throw the football? Absolutely. That's why we got Brandon Marshall. That's why we went out and got and got targets and did certain things. So, so I absolutely think that Geno, all that Geno's going to have to do is be somewhat productive. Don't throw a bunch of interceptions. Don't throw a bunch of stupid stupid things. I don't I don't know if numbers are going to work into this because you know you, you never know. What kind of situation he's going to be in, but I think as long as Gino does not turn into a turnover meister, a guy that's just putting his team in bad situations, and he's making his throws, and if you watch his film, that he's doing what's necessary to move the ball, then I think that's what's going to win him the job. That that's that's all you can ask of a quarterback. What do you think, Tyson?
0: Yeah, I agree. I mean, most importantly, I think Todd Bowles wants to see him be, become a leader on and off the field. I mean, the missed meetings, all that, you want to see this guy become, you know, show that work ethic, show that film study, all that. Secondly, I completely agree about turnovers. You want to see him effectively manage the game, understand the game plan, understand what he's seeing in terms of the defense. And reduces turnovers. So I mean, there's a, I think it's like, it's like twofold. It's like first is show the work ethic, become a leader, become respected throughout the organization, which I think he probably is now already. But then it's like on the field, Joe. It's manage the game. Don't you know? Like, I don't want him to be a game manager where he's, he's scared to make plays. I wanted to see him be effective. So don't turn the ball over, but get the ball, spread the ball around, get it to all your weapons, and put points on the board. So I think he I think he has the ability to do it and I think I'm just real curious to see how this environment changes now with, with Gailey and Todd Bowles. I think it's I think the level of accountability and discipline could go a long way in seeing Gino
4: develop. Yes, absolutely. Right, and I, oh, go ahead. Go ahead, Colin. No, okay. no, I was just
0: I
7: was just gonna say thank you for
0: the input. <laughs> no problem, Rick. Thank you for calling in man, we appreciate it and be sure to call in again. All right, thanks. You know, it's interesting, Joe, because there's so many people that have so many strong takes on Gino And, you know, I don't think he lacks the work ethic. I, I think he, he has the drive to succeed. I think, you know, as a young quarterback, you're going to struggle. And I, I think sometimes the environment can hold you back, or sometimes, you know, just things just happen. But I'm just real curious to see how this all plays out with his development. Um, we'll we'll stay with the busy phones and there's, boy, we have some heavy hitters on the phone right now, Joe. So be ready. Our next caller is Kyle, who I know has a lot of strong takes about the draft and the Jets. So Kyle, this is Joe and Tyson. Let's talk Jets. How you doing, man?
2: Hey, what's up? It's been a while.
0: What's up, man? What's on your mind?
2: Um, I guess I'll just finish up with like, the Gino stuff. Um, yeah, I'm still not a big Gino fan. I mean. I know everyone says the like flashes, and you hear that word come out a lot, but let's be real. All these flashes came in games that didn't matter. I think maybe one or two games, each of the flashes where the games actually mattered. Every other time is when a judge out of playoff contention, it was already blown up, and stuff like that. Um, we have Ryan Fitzpatrick now, which makes me think that we are in the position now to draft a quarterback. Whether that be Mario or whether that be Winston, I know one of them is probably going to slip. But because if you think about it, we're going to have a decent record this year, I I would assume. So, like, 8-8, we're in the middle of the pack, and then we're going to have to worry about trading up for a quarterback if Geno Smith still doesn't have it. So this would be the year, because even if Geno Smith is – does well for some reason, and we think he's the guy. We can, especially if we have Mariota. I mean, as long as Chip Kelly's in the Philly, he'll take him.
6: Yeah, I
0: mean, this is this is tough. I can see what you're saying. I mean, I I can see if you get like we've talked about with, with Da earlier, if you can get a Grayson or even a Petty, and you let them sit in the bench for a year without any threat of even playing, I think it's a positive thing. I think you know Gino and Fitzpatrick are more than serviceable to play, be competitive, and win games, and maybe, maybe have this team in contention supported by this defense. So it, I think, Joe, that, to me that's a fair point where you can draft a guy this year, say in the fourth round, and let him sit for a year, and it's a positive thing where he has a full year to develop where in years past maybe he can't. I mean, what do you think, Joe?
4: Absolutely. Um, and I think that even in this year's draft, if you look at some of the first-round guys like Mariota, I mean, if you read all the reports on him and everything, he's not going to be a starter your, your first year. And if he is, he's going to struggle. He's a guy that will benefit even from, you know, sitting and, and sitting back a year. So even if we go, like, you know, like the draft shows and to go Grayson in the fourth round, have him sit for a year, that will benefit us. Um, I kind of want to go back to the where Kyle was talking about Geno Smith and the flashes and they being games that they didn't matter. Uh, Geno played well against the Green Bay Packers. That was the game that mattered. Like, he played well, played pretty decently against the Chicago Bears, too. This first couple games, he played pretty well. There was a lot of drop passes in the Green Bay Packers game. Zach, uh, one, of our, one of our linemen missed the block, and that's the only reason why he threw an interception. Was And Zach Tubbs was on the end of that interception, and he's like six six seven, six six 6'6", or something like that. He didn't even jump to get the ball. Didn't even try to knock it down or knock anyone down. I'm not, I'm not totally sold on him yet, but I, I, like I said, I think he has the tools. And when you see those flashes, when you see the physical ability, um, you, you kind of have to give this guy a chance. And I think that this year, it, it's going to be the chance for him. I, I definitely think that he, again, it's a put-up-or-shut-up year, and I think that he'll get that system because I think he's working extremely hard, and I think he has more weapons now than he's ever had, than he's ever had on this team. So if he can't succeed with everything that's surrounding him, then he'll be gone, and we can bring Fitzpatrick in. So that, that's just – I just think that people really need to give him a chance, and even if you don't believe in Geno, bro, Fitzpatrick is right behind him. That's more than a capable guy of a game manager that can definitely hold the spot of this team. So that's what I think on that. Oh, what are your yeah,
6: thoughts, I
2: Kyle? Mean, <laughs> I mean, I understand. Like, yeah, he has had a handful of games, but I, I think the biggest thing is the inconsistency. Like, it's like he's – Maybe he's. I. I guess he's improved a little bit from his rookie year to his second year, but I don't. I just don't see him improving all that much more because he's making the same exact stupid mistakes. It's not like it's the receiver's fault that he's throwing the ball not even near the receivers throwing those picks. I mean, yeah, some of them receivers might have been able to knock down or his tight coverage, but like. I don't know, and maybe uh, I'm just a little biased because of uh, how much I like Mario, and I think he's going to be good eventually, maybe not right away, but that's why I said like this is our opportunity to draft him because just have a stop that stopgap guy and uh, Fitzpatrick, which would get which would buy him time, and nobody would care that Fitzpatrick's starting for a couple of weeks because he's a viable option with you know Smith and one interception, and the Bluebird's going to be out, and it's going to be calling on for Fitzpatrick.
0: Yeah, but see, the thing is, Kyle, first of all, thank you for calling. In. The, the, the thing is, I, the fans and the media shouldn't be dictating what's going on with the quarterback. At some point, exactly. if the fans start booing Geno, Todd Bowles is going to be like, you can boo him all you want, he's my quarterback, he's playing. And, you know, like in, in last year we all booed and we all get tired of it. and this. But I'm, I'm hoping with Gailey in place, with, with, with Todd Bowles in place, this has got to change and the environment's got to change at some point. Because if you, you could run Geno out of town, and what's next? Run Garrett Grayson out of town or Mariota out of town, it's got to stop. And it starts with the front office, and it starts with the head coach. They set the tone with the fans and the media. And if we don't like it, so what? It's, the, it's their team. So, Kyle, once again, thanks for calling in, man. We appreciate it. we got to get to other callers. But uh, please be sure to call in again, man.
6: All
2: right, thanks.
0: All right, we'll keep going, jokes. we're going to rapid fire here. So, uh, up <laughs> next we have Seth, and, and Jude will be up after him. So, this is Seth from Brooklyn who wants to talk about the draft. So, Seth, this is Joe and Tyson. Let's talk Jets. How you doing, man?
10: I'm doing well, guys. Thanks for taking my call. How are y'all doing?
0: Doing great, man. What's on your mind?
10: Uh, before I get to the draft, I just want to actually uh, tell you one uh, that uh, I was recently added to uh, the TurnOnTheJets.com, our riding staff. So if you're interested in obviously some great Jets content, you know something that's you know cutting edge, more realistic, looking more so at you know the positives of the team and you know trying to you know stay away from the you know the media bias. You know, take give a look at us because we have some really great content on there. Um, so there's that. Um, but my. Well, congrats- t- well,
0: congratulations, dude.
10: I appreciate it. Thank you very much. It means a lot. Um, I'm looking at the draft board right now. And assuming Mariota, Fowler, and Leonard Williams are off the board, three guys I'd really like, I don't want to go. T- I really think the best possible player in the best direction this franchise can go is Amari Cooper. Amari Cooper to me is the safest bet in this draft to be a Pro Bowl player at this position. He doesn't just base it all to his natural skill. He just knows how to run routes and how to play the game of football. And. People don't think wide receiver is necessarily a pressing need, but I disagree in the sense that, yes, we traded for Brandon Marshall, but Brandon Marshall might not be here next year if you look at his contract. He's still owed $12 million, and let's say he, you know, regresses. It's possible. I mean, I understand he was injured a little bit last year, but he still didn't necessarily play up to old Brandon Marshall. He's over 30. It's definitely possible he has, you know, not as great of a year, and I'm not sure if we're going to want to commit all that money to him next year should that occur. And if he leaves, then we certainly have him, though, number one wide receiver. And I believe Amari Cooper can easily fill that void in a year or two. So I'm looking at this draft board right now, and I honestly believe if those three players who I consider to be maybe a bit higher priorities are two of the better defensive players in the draft, in my opinion, I would really love to see the team take Amari Cooper because I really think he's that special and also pretty safe. And I could I
4: could see that happening. My question is, Where's Winston in your?
10: Winston's first overall. It's not even a question in my mind. Winston's the best quarterback in this draft, and in my opinion, Winston on on the on the field, on the field okay. alone, Winston is the best quarterback prospect since Andrew Luck. He's not Andrew Luck, but he's the best quarter, uh, quarterback prospect since Andrew Luck. Okay, I, I definitely can't.
4: I can't necessarily disagree with that. I do. I, I like Amari Cooper as well, and I do agree with your points about Brandon Marshall. Um, what do you think about a possibility of us trading down out of that pick as well? Um, You know, maybe moving down and maybe picking up with the Browns or something like that. Would
10: that be a good option as well? I mean, obviously, uh, ideally, I'd like to trade down because I believe the staff has really good depth. But the issue is, obviously, what do you get? Where do you fall, and is that worth falling out of that sixth six spot and getting you know one of the better talents in the draft? Um, if we do trade down, a player that I'd really like to get, and I know people aren't really thinking about it because considering uh you know the the, the massive uh, spending uh, spree we went on during the off during the off season, I would really love to see this team if we trade down and make a move for Marcus Peters. I think Marcus Peters can be a fantastic cornerback, and Chilnew Camardi is. I believe he's almost 32, if not 32. I don't know how many years he has left. Maybe another one to two really good years. Marcus Peters, in my opinion, has the potential to be a really great number one cornerback. And him learning under Darrell Rivas, arguably the best cornerback in the league right now, I think he just, I think it would be a great match, in my opinion. But that's only if we trade down. I'm not going to take Marcus Peters at six. I don't think, I think there are better options available. But you could really never have too many cornerbacks um in Todd Balls' defensive system. So if we do trade down, I would not mind seeing Marcus Peters. That's just me though.
4: Well with, be, uh, with our cornerback
10: good, Joe. Uh, with our I'm sorry, with our cornerback situation being as it is, as,
4: as as flood as it is with D Milner, we still got, you know, we got Marcus Williams. We got all these guys at corner there. I I don't necessarily think that Peters would be the guy that we should pick up. If we trade down a guy that I'm looking at, if we're still possibly in maybe that top ten, um, guy that might be up at that eleven is Brandon Sheriff. What, what do you think about possibly going and Sheriff and, and kind of sealing
10: up that offensive line position as
4: well, too?
10: I think with Sheriff, if you draft him, someone that could be a Pro Bowl guard in a year or two, I think he's mm-hmm. very safe. I think he's the safest offensive lineman in this draft. But at the same point, I remember two players named Chance Warmack and Jonathan Cooper, who are supposed to be the safe Pro Bowl guard type players. And, well... Both of them really aren't living up to par right now. So, while a Pro Bowl guard would be great, is that really necessarily getting the best bang for your buck at, let's say, the 10th overall pick or somewhere in the top 10? I don't know. I love the player. I just don't know if the value is there. But if we do trade down to the teams, let's say we don't trade them to the top 10, we trade down to the teams, and Sharp is still there, maybe someone like Dell Collins, I would definitely take a run at them. But the top 10... I really want more of a dynamic player that can be more of a game changer. I understand the effect Zach Martin had on the Cowboys' the line, but I feel like Martin was a more versatile player than Sharp. I think Sharp is really going to be more suited to that guard uh, guard spot.
0: Now, Seth, go back. Who are your top sit your top five players? You said they're going to be gone before you take Amari Cooper. Who are the
10: five? Okay, right now, this is how I see the draft playing out. If you ask me today, Jameis Winston number one. I don't know who's picking at two, but Mariota goes two. I don't think that's actually okay. the Titans. It could be a different team. But I think Mary goes two, Fowler's three, Leonard Williams four, Vic Beasley five. At six, Cooper's okay. on the board, I want Cooper. Okay.
0: Okay, yeah, that was that was my question with, with Beasley if he was still there or not. So yeah. I mean we like on Twitter everybody's just like, you know, we want Cooper, we want Cooper and, and you can make a very good case for it, especially how you mentioned with you know, Brandon Marshall with his age, everything else. It's just it's a solid pick, but like for me it's like if you have a guy like Beasley there, it it you know, I would take him. My question for you is this would you trade up one spot to get a Beasley?
10: What is it costing me?
0: That's the that's that's the good question. But, I mean, say I'm not, the, I'm, not, I'm,
10: not tra- thir- I'm not trading I'm not trading a second or third round pick to move up one spot to get that easily. Listen, I think he's I think he's probably the second most dynamic defensive player in this draft uh, outside of Dante Fowler, um, but he's not worth moving up one spot and giving up a second or third when you could just draft Amari Cooper right there. Or if you really want a defensive player, you could go Bud Dupree, who's rising on draft boards. And I can, uh, arguably, you can make the opinion Dupree has a higher ceiling than Vic Beasley. I think Vic gonna get more sacks right out of the gate. But when you look at Bud, uh, Bud Dupree's, uh, you know, physical traits and just his explosiveness, I think he could be just as explosive, if not more, than Vic Beasley, if you ask me. So, no, I'm not. unless the price is, like, you know, relatively cheap, a day three pick, I'm not making that
4: yeah, I absolutely agree with that. If the price is right, um, then I could definitely see us moving up to get Vic, But if it's way too expensive, then I'm passing on it as well. My question to you is, say if say the trade down does happen and we're able to trade down into the teams, what are, you, what are your thoughts about possibly drafting Randy Gregory in the teams? Because, uh, honestly, he's
10: one of the best, or if not the best, uh, pass rushing prospect in the draft. On um, pure talent alone, Randy Gregory is my second – that's the type of player in this draft, that's what Leonard Williams. Mm-hmm. But the risk is too, too significant, in my opinion, especially when you see all these players with so much talent in the world just blowing it for whatever reason these days. Look at Josh Gordon, which is just such a shame. Um, if we trade down, I, I, uh, part of me wants to take him so badly because of that talent, but you know what? There are still some players there that, while they may not have as high as a ceiling, they could be pretty damn good, and I don't run the risk of them doing something stupid. So, I'm going to pass on Gregory. I know people are in love with his sound, and I can't blame them, but it's too much of a risk. And don't forget, also, this is Mike mccacken's first draft. He wants to nail players he knows that can play. I don't think he's going to make many risks when it comes to character issues. That's why... I don't see a Gregory being drafted. I don't see a Green Beckham being drafted if we traded down or a primarily if he fell into round two. Um, I think the going to focus on just really good players that are safe because a GM always wants an L first draft, and uh, I, that's just the way I think is the best uh, way to go because the Jets aren't striking this. The Jets have a really good season. I just want to get players to defend. I know could be on the field and be good at the same time simultaneously. So I'm going to pass on Gregory, but it's a shame. It's a shame. If, it's, if this guy was not a knucklehead, he'd be a top side pick.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, no doubt. Well, Seth, first of all, I want to congratulate you on, on writing for turnonthejets.com. I mean, they're a phenomenal website with a with a great a great group of writers that we had on DA before who gave some great knowledge. Um, before we let you go, give everybody your Twitter handle so they can give you a follow.
10: Sure. My Twitter handle is at Jacob Pellerin. Uh, P e l l e r i n. Uh, that was my alias at one point, so I decided just to roll with it. Um, and like I said, uh, look for my introductory article in the next day or so on turnonthejets.com. Hope you all enjoy it. I hope you all uh, have a great night. Thanks for having me on.
0: Thank you, Seth. Have a good night, man. You too, thanks. Man, Joe, this, these callers are dropping knowledge, and there is no <laughs> lack of there is no lack of opinions on tonight's show. But Joe, you know what? There, our next caller is a very special guest. He doesn't call in very often, but what he does, he attracts a ton of attention on Twitter because he's a man of the people. And he has a new label, Joe. This is a very new label for our next caller. He's a schedulologist. This guy studies the schedule. He gives predictions. Oh my God. And he's going sh- to share some things with us. So this is Jude. Jude, it's Joe and Tyson. Let's talk Jets. What's up, man?
11: How are you doing, Tyson?
0: Do you like your intro, man? <laughs>
11: Uh, sure, it was interesting for sure
0: What's up man, what's on your mind?
11: <laughs> uh, not much really I was hearing some of the conversations about Gino I won't go too much about it Everyone knows my feelings on him I mean, I would love it if he just turned the light switch on But our new GM should really really like a lot on him turning that light switch on I'm very glad we had a Fitzpatrick And I hope we had a quarterback somewhere in this draft So that's pretty much it and with the schedule I really like it. It's not as bad as last year. Last year we had all those good quarterbacks in a row and everything. This year it's more spaced out so to speak. I think we only have two row games back to back one fall season, so that's good. So yeah, I like that. Well can you
0: well I mean well, can you go through the schedule? We've been kinda of focusing on the draft. I believe the Jets opened <laughs> up with the Browns, correct? And then it's what, the yes. Colts, then Eagles? Yeah. Okay,
11: yep. well can you go? You know, like
0: what's
4: Good.
11: Hold on, just a minute. Uh, after the Eagles, then there's the Dolphins, then the Bye, uh, Patriots, at the Patriots, at the Raiders, and Jags, Bills, at the Texans, Dolphins, at the Giants, Titans, at the Cowboys, Patriots, at the Bills. Like I said, it's much better than last year. I think. I mean, I'm not gonna really try to predict games like I did last year because that didn't go out well, but. It's a good
6: schedule
0: for a new coach, for sure. Very beneficial. Well, you know what it is, too? It's tough to to assess a schedule like wins and losses when the draft hasn't even happened yet. I mean, you know, with the Jets, I mean, is it going to be Geno? Is it going to be Fitzpatrick? Are we going to have Mariota? There's so many intangibles, so many things that could change from now until September. So I agree with you. It's hard to go through the schedule and do that. Um, I guess, what are your thoughts on Rex Ryan's comments? Because I have, I have a blistering take for you, but what are your thoughts on Rex Ryan's comments about Jason Morrow?
11: Well, honestly, Rex Ryan is showing himself to be a small man. Uh, let's see, what was I going to say? Yeah, he's showing himself to be a relatively small man because, I mean, Jason Morrow's a rookie and everything. Why are you letting a rookie talk down? well, First of all, why are you getting so wound up over a rookie saying that you weren't held accountable, but then you don't go after the guys like Willie Colon and trying to think what else was Willie Mohammed Muhammad Wilkerson, Nick Mangold. I mean, and you can write a whole book of guys who said they weren't accountable, but you go after Jason Tomorrow. Kind of ridiculous, really. And then, I mean, just focus on your team. You're with the Bills. They haven't made it. I was in elementary school the last time they made the playoffs. Stop talking about the Jets. Stop obsessing over Bill Belichick. He doesn't want them, He doesn't like you. It's just ridiculous.
0: <laughs> see, and the funny thing is, you know, like when 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 Rex Ryan was here, you know, a lot of a lot of opposing fans were like, "Oh, he's a blowhard. All he does is talk." But a lot of us for a while defended him, and now when you see the other side of it. I mean, I mean, I just—I have so many things I want to say about Rex right now. But when you see the other side of it, can you understand why the rest of the league is kind of like, "Man, this guy all he does is talk"? And you know, when was the last time he's got a Super Bowl ring as a head coach?
11: Oh yeah, definitely. No, I mean, I was like blind. I mean, a lot of Jets fans were just blind, and it's natural because he did have such a good two years. But wow, I mean, when you really look at it, and I think were Justin was the guy from NC, said it best. He's kind of a glorified defensive coordinator, maybe even just a glorified defensive line coach, because, I mean, to be honest, those are the only guys that really developed. Revis has transcended talent out of, uh, obviously, so is Cromartie, but what did Kyle Wilson do? What has Kevin Pryor done? What has McDougal, Milliner, what has all those other guys done besides Revis and Cromartie? He just develops a defensive line. So, I mean, it's easy to see through a stick now. Soon the Bills fans will see it. And then they'll go on twenty years without playoffs, maybe thirty if we're lucky. So, well,
0: yeah. yeah. The, the thing, the thing is too. It's just like you know, like you mentioned earlier, it's very easy for Rex to sit here and pay, uh, to pick on Jason Morrow. And I find it's funny they picked on a tight end. That's the one position he can never defend. That's the first thing. <laughs> Second thing is. It's Easy to pick on Jay Morrow because what are you are you scared to pick on Sheldon or Mohamed Wilkerson or Demario Davis or Jeremy Curley? All guys have hinted that there was accountability issues. Willie Cologne. Is Rex scared to piss off a veteran? It, it's bush league. It, it's bush league. It's amateur hour up in Orchard Park. I hope the Bills fans enjoy it because in two years he's going to be fired and somebody else is going to be there because you got to score points to win the NFL and averaging eight points a game is not going to cut it. And I don't care who you bring there, Percy Harvin, you could bring in whoever you want. It's not going to change that Rex is going to win games. So I mean, Joe, is there anything you want to add? Because his comments about Amaro were such. It was like amateur hour.
4: Yeah, I, I, read the com- I read the comments, and I think it's just Rex being Rex. That's, that's honestly what I think it is. Uh, you know, from him saying that he was going to hold Amaro accountable and Amaro was going to pay for it and all this other stuff, I think that's just Rex being Rex. I think that's just part of his coaching style to fire his guys up, you know, making bulletin board material where he's going to go into his locker room when they play us and he's going to say, these guys tried to you know, fascinate my character and look what they thought about me and blah, 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 and so on and so on. It's just rest here, Rex being Rex. I I just don't want us to get into a back and forth with him. Let's not pay it in my mind. Let's just move forward. Uh, we've got a new coaching staff, new front office, and a new attitude. And we just let's just move forward and stop, you know, getting into a little back and forth and stuff with Rex. I, I just don't want us to get into back and forth with him.
0: I agree.
11: Jude,
0: Jude you, and th- 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 you know what the cool thing, Jude, is? The silence coming out of Florham Park. Rex keeps yapping, and Todd Bowles keeps working on his program. That- that's what I like. Exactly. There's no talking. It's just about building your program, getting everything in order, and let Rex worry about fighting with the Jets and fighting the Patriots, and meanwhile he'll probably lose an 0-6 team at some point during the season and following the bye <laughs> week. But with that being said, Jude, thanks for calling in, man. We appreciate it. Thank you
11: very much. You all have a good day now.
0: You too, Thank man. You. Poor Jude seems like he's depressed. Joe, I'm sorry that, that those comments <laughs> just brought a whole other side of me. I was like, I was hoping somebody called in with those, would have a question. I just wanted to pounce on it, but unfortunately, we can't talk on it more because we have two of our our premier callers who gave our analyst last week. Jeff Lloyd just uh, he just had set him back a bit with his with their questions. So we'll go with the first one of our phenoms, and it's Kyle. So Kyle, this is Joe and Tyson. Let's talk Jets. What's up, man?
9: Hey guys, thanks for having me on the show.
0: What's up, buddy? How you doing?
9: Good. Um, I want to get a couple comments in before we start going through the draft stuff. I forget the guy's name, who you had on earlier, but he said he had Winston falling to 16 to Houston. Um, I'm just not sure about that. I don't think the Jets pass on him. I don't think St. Louis passes on him. So I think that's highly unlikely. For one.
4: Yeah, I, I can I can I see that point there. Uh, Houston is, is a need for him. I, I definitely think that I definitely think that Saint Louis will take a flyer on him if he's there. So but you never know. With the character concerns with Winston, there may be franchises like Saint Louis that might just want to pass on him. I mean he does have a pass. we talked about it a bunch of times on this show, uh, that he does have a lot of different things going on, uh, you know, with him in the law. I mean he's he's being I think he's got a civil suit going on now. Um, so, yeah. so with that said, what I'm wondering is, if he's at six, could you see the Jets possibly trading down, and would you be happy for us to, to possibly take him as well?
9: Well, if a quarterback of his stature, who would most likely be the starter going into the season, is available at number six, and the Jets choose to trade down for maybe a, another second-round pick or – Dude, who knows what. I I would be very upset because you're passing up on a quarterback who is most likely getting you to the playoffs in year one. And that's Ooh. just something. Whoa. Yeah. um, I, He's a very good quarterback. I mean, you can't deny his talent. I Everybody knows about his off-the-field issues, but those are fixable. Yes, he does currently have a civil suit going on with the girl that, you know, that whole situation. Um, but you just can't pass on talent like that. That's just a situation where I wouldn't say once in a lifetime talent, but it doesn't come around often. He's no Andrew Luck.
0: Well, I mean, Kyle. I mean, wow. You're, that's a. I mean, I think you're giving you're giving him a lot of credit. I mean, I'm not going to question his talent, but to say that if Jameis Winston was a New York Jets starting quarterback day one, they're going to the playoffs this year. I mean, there's a learning curve. You got to hope their propensity to throw interceptions is not there. I mean, there's a lot of things that that incorporate. That's a that's a pretty bold statement, man.
9: Well, who do you think would be better as a starter, Geno, Fitzpatrick, or Winston?
0: That's a great question. That's a very good question. I I, I would say to let the best man win. I'd have a funny feeling that I would think Gino or Fitzpatrick initially may beat out Winston. I mean, initially, maybe. We, uh, Joe, what do you think? That's a, that's a great question.
4: Oh, I, I, there's no doubt in my mind that at least first year, that Gino or Fitzpatrick is going to beat out Winston. There's no doubt in my mind. There's a learning curve. I think he's I, – I don't have any doubt in my mind that Winston is talented. I've watched him play. But there's a lot of issues with him as well. It's mean, not off the field issues. He's also had his work ethic question too. Um, but just saying that he's going to make the playoffs in his first year, and that's a lot of expectations on a rookie quarterback. Um, but I definitely think that Gino will beat him out. Um, just off the simple fact that he's already a pro, he you know he knows the system. He's working with different guys too, so I, I don't think that he, I don't think that he'll be necessarily that ready uh, his first year. My, my question is: if say if Mariota's there, is, are you taking Mariota? Do you feel the same way about Mariota, possibly that you feel about Winston, or would you trade down and, and give Mariota you know away to the next team that possibly wants him? How?
9: Well, is Winston? Still available, too, or is it just Mariota?
4: No. Winston's off the board. It's just Mariota.
9: Uh, Well, you can't pass on a quarterback, which is definitely a need. So, yes, I'm going with Mariota. Even if he does have to sit for a year or two, which you guys say that Winston will, too. But Winston – I'm sorry, Mariota, I think, has a little bit more to learn when it comes to playing against a – playing in a pro-style offense. Taking snaps under the center—I mean, these are things he didn't really do in Oregon. But yeah, I, I have to take him.
4: Okay, I, I think that I think that Mariota, like we talked about before, is a guy that has a good a year. I don't know if I would necessarily take him. I would definitely trade down. I would look to trade down if, if the Browns are there, or you know, even if St. Louis wants to move up, I definitely would get that way. I'm, I'm not—I'm not super sold on Mariota. We talked about that that in the past too. Um, not really big on him, so I would definitely move down. What are your thoughts on possibly taking uh, Amari Cooper at six if he's there? Mariota's off the board, Winston's off the board.
9: Well, I think Mer- uh, Amari Cooper overall is the best talent in the draft. I think he's one of the safest picks by far. But, um, yeah, I would definitely take him as six as well because Brandon Marshall is aging and is not guaranteed for the next four years uh, you never know, injury-wise, uh, what could happen to Eric Decker or Jeremy Curley. Plus, you know that's just another aspect that you have to worry about as a defensive coordinator. Amari Cooper, you know, if he's starting, is I believe a Pro Bowl-level receiver going into the league. He just runs routes very nicely. He has great speed. He has his ability to break off from the. Defensive back who's covering him is phenomenal, and he has great pedigree and championship um, material as a person.
4: And, and I, I totally agree with that. I think he's a great receiver, and like you said, I think he's one of the guys that's going to be a sure guy, possibly make Pro bowl and definitely turn your franchise around. My question is that: Do you value any other receiver? In, any other receivers in this draft? Maybe some late round guys. What do you think about a guy like a Trey McBride? Uh, maybe a, a doorstep as well. Are those guys, do you think that those could be some guys that we can get in later rounds that could be value picks?
9: Trey McBride is a steal from the third mm-hmm. to the fourth round, depending on, you know, who where he falls. Um, another guy I really like is Ty Montgomery out of Stanford. I know he's probably like a sixth-round pick, but, you know, he's really tall, and he made outstanding plays at Stanford. Stanford, uh, I definitely think he can make the roster. Uh, Philip Brousset, I'm, I'm not really sold on him quite yet. I know he's a speedster and a lot of people like him, but uh, it always seems that the speedy dudes tend to get injured, and I don't know if I'm willing to take that risk quite
4: mm-hmm. yet. Absolutely, and I agree with that. I wanted to also kind of get your –
3: That's Chumbacasino.com. dot com.
10: No purchase necessary. D W Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. Eighteen plus. Your, your thoughts are analysis on Daryl
4: Green Beckham? He's a guy. I mean, he's a big guy, and he's he. If you look at him, he's sliding up and down boards on different guys. What do you think about him? Do you think he really has the talent to be a red zone threat? And is he a guy that you could possibly kind of build a core around him?
9: Um. Well, physically. You can tell he's an NFL player or an extreme mm-hmm. athlete of some sort. If you look at his record off the field, you think he's a criminal. He has a lot of run he has a lot of run-ins with the law. I mean, um just a lot of problems off the field. He's a phenomenal talent uh on the field. He kind of reminds me of Randy Moss, just not at the same talent level as Randy Moss was. He has amazing physical talents. Uh a lot of comparisons to Megatron. Um, Size-wise, um, but if he straightens up, I think he could be a very good uh, wide receiver in this league.
4: Absolutely, absolutely. And I know you you like to talk about the the low guys, the sixth round guys, the guys that could possibly steal. There's a guy named Walden in this draft that I think can definitely turn out to be a solid tight end if if he if he's pushed and possibly moved to that position. Six-six big what? guy. You kind of give me your thoughts on him.
9: What was his name? I'm sorry, I didn't catch it.
4: Darren Walden.
9: Darren Wallen. Yes. Uh, unfortunately, I'm not familiar with him. Uh, is he at a Delaware? Is that that's my guess? Yes. He is at a Delaware. I believe yes. All right. Well, okay. Then I do know him. Uh, Boyle. Yeah, he's a um, again couple off-the-field issues, not very big, uh, physically talented, uh, kind of a speedster as a tight end. I wouldn't say very fast, but um, I would kind of compare him to Dwayne Allen in a way, not uh, not as big. But uh, definitely, you're right, if you push him enough and you get him with the right coach, he could be an NFL star.
4: Okay. Okay, yeah, just some of the same things that I was wondering. I want to kind of switch it over kind of talk about the – Offensive line position. What are your thoughts about AJ Can us possibly drafting him in the second round? Because a lot of mock drafts, uh, D.A. had us drafting him in the second round as well. What are your thoughts about him?
9: Uh, AJ Can is a very, very good talent coming out of South Carolina. Uh, I currently do have us taking him in the second round in my mock draft, uh, which I will release on Twitter
12: on a later date.
9: But uh, very, very good talent. Um, just a huge guy physically. He would probably be a starter when it came down to it uh, over Willie Colon. Um, I don't think he'll beat out James Carpenter, newly signed free agent. But very good talent as South Carolina. Comes from a great coach um, in South Carolina. I'm forgetting his name currently. Um, but that uh, that's another subject. Uh, very good talent. Waspur? I would definitely draft him in this. Yeah, Steve Spurrier, I'm sorry. <laughs> That's right. Um, but another guy I would like to mention, since we're on the offensive line, uh, Ali Marpet, out of William and Mary, I believe, um, kind of an underrated guy, um, third round steal, maybe late second round. This dude, uh, his worth, his physical traits are really good, um, and just his personality. He comes from a Division three school, so obviously not a lot of limelight for him. So maybe if he steps into New York, maybe he'll have to live up to that limelight a little. But I think he's a very good talent.
0: Yeah, that's an interesting player. Cause I remember was that the player Mark Schlereth kind of ripped to shreds because he was a third, he was a Division three player. Yes. Yeah, that's a, that's a heat. Marshall laird got some serious heat for that one. Kyle, I, I have one question before we let you go. Did you say that Amari Cooper is the most talented player in this draft?
9: Yeah, he definitely has the most talent in this draft by far and is the safest pick.
0: So it, you would take him, if you had a choice of Amari Cooper or Dante Fowler or Leonard Williams, just, just say you were at the Jets, you, you were starting your team tomorrow and you had a choice of one player in the top five guys, that's the guy you would take out of all those guys?
9: Well, that isn't necessarily true because we don't necessarily need a wide receiver right now. He may be the most talented player in the draft, but he's not our most necessary need, unlike a defensive end-slash-outside linebacker in Dante Fowler. But if I had to pick talent-wise, yes, I'm going Amari Cooper.
0: Wow. That's a bold, that's a bold statement, my friend. Well, Kyle, once again, before, before we let you go, man, what's your Twitter handle? So we can get, because you have a fan base growing, man, so what's your Twitter handle? <laughs>
9: Uh, my Twitter handle is New York underscore Jets underscore edits, and it's my Twitter account for my Instagram. It's the exact same handle, so hit me up on both of those.
0: Dude, we will dash- make sure we promote you, and that's some- you make some bold statements every week, man. So thanks for calling, man. We appreciate it.
9: No problem. I love being on.
0: Have a good night. You too. And that kid, he, he's he got a fan base growing. You should see, when he comes on, our Twitter account just blows up, Joe, every week. But we're going to keep it going because we have, we have two more of our of our phenoms calling in. So we'll bring him on next. The next one is Kyle from Edison who wants to talk the uh, top six pick. So this is Kyle. This is Joe and Tyson. What's up, man?
1: Joe Tyson. How you guys doing?
0: Doing great, man. What's on your mind?
1: I uh, definitely want to get into the Geno stuff a little bit before. I just got a little comment on that before I get to my mock draft because if I remember correctly at the end of last week's show, you guys said, you know, that everyone's, you know, hitting you guys with, you know, what you think and stuff and you guys with tough questions and you want to see who we think the Jets are going to pick and basically give them a little mini mock draft. So I'm going to do that in a little bit. Uh, first, I'm going to get to the whole Geno stuff that you guys were talking on. Uh, this whole idea that Geno doesn't work hard, I think he does work hard. Uh, there was a report that came out prior to the beginning of last season that said that Geno, you know, without any coaches' recommendations or anything, basically he started studying every single one of Jim Schwartz's games, knowing that Jim Schwartz was going to be, you know, the defensive coordinator for the Buffalo Bills last year. You know, and he was doing that with a bunch of other coaches that he knew that he was going to play and stuff. Uh, and you know they asked Rex Ryan about it and Rex said you know hey I didn't know that but that's you know really smart of the kid so I think the kid definitely does work hard I think it's just more so his shortcomings are more so the learning curve that he had from the college game and let's just face it coaching for the Jets over the past couple years has been pretty bad and one of the callers I think it might have been Seth if I'm not mistaken he used the word inconsistency and I think that's You know, that you could, you know, attribute to that as one of Rex Ryan's biggest flaws, inconsistency. I mean, he'll go out and he'll beat the Patriots one week. The next week, he'll go and get crushed by a five-win team and lose by 40 points. It's happened so many times throughout the past couple years. So you have to wonder if some of it, you know, Gino's inconsistency, is that based on coaching and not being well prepared um, to play the game? Uh, And obviously, I think – Joe hit upon this before. Poor talent around him. I mean, Gino's first year, he's thrown to Clyde Gates, David Nelson, Greg Salas. Come on. I mean, so so I think that all plays a little bit of a role into it. Now, am I sold on him? No, but I think he does work hard, and let's see if he actually gets it. Because there's been plenty of quarterbacks that have worked hard and just have not been good in the league.
0: Yeah, no, I mean, we, we, we've we talked about it a lot, and I think, you know, I think once once the, the Geno hater fan club gets started, they'll find everything wrong possible to blame on him, and they'll start saying he parks crooked in the parking lot at some point. I mean, it's they're going to go <laughs> after every angle with him, and the fact of the matter is, we don't know that. The only thing we do know is that players from time to time, like Jason Morrow came out vocally, supported Geno. Some of these guys are supporting him, so... I'm hoping that there's a refresh. You know, it's a new start for him. It's a new start for the offense, and hopefully, we see something out of it. And, and you, and they have nothing to lose. Like I don't, I don't understand the notion if if Gino does well, how it's a bad thing. It's a good thing. So, I mean, yeah. I agree with you. Hopefully, hopefully, a fresh start kicks something in, and the level of accountability will help him. And 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 Chen Gale can help him as well.
1: Yeah, I hope so. I mean, you know, you drafted him 39th overall. You, you, I don't see why you want to see the kid do bad. But anyway, uh, so going to my mock. You know, Seth really stole my thunder because he had the exact same mock as I was going to come on and give to you guys. And that's, you know, pretty much the consensus number one pick is Jameis Winston going to the Buccaneers at one. Seth said he doesn't know who's picking at two. I think it's going to be the San Diego Chargers. they got the biggest asset to give up, and that is Philip Rivers. They'll swing a trade. Philip Rivers goes and plays in the South. He goes and plays for his former offensive coordinator, Ken Wisenhunt. It's the biggest piece that I think the Titans are looking, you know, to acquire. And who knows, maybe they can acquire something else from the Chargers, too, if the Chargers are really that desperate. But I think they're the team that goes and gets Mariota. Number three is going to be the Jaguars. You know, everyone's saying Fowler, he's a Florida kid. You know, he spits he, you know, into the Bradley system so well. They need an edge rusher. The Jaguars over the years have not been able to get a sack, so they go in, they get an elite, you know, pass rushing talent in him. Four, arguably the best player in the draft many people are saying, Leonard Williams. I think it was Nolan Naraki, if I'm pronouncing his name correctly. He compared him to Reggie White, said so he is Reggie White. I wouldn't go quite that far, but the kid is good. He's going to go to the Raiders. You know, I think the Raiders, they want to try to reestablish that bad boy mentality that they had back to the John Madden years. So you go and draft Khalil Mack, and then Leonard Williams in back-to-back drafts, and you're setting up a pretty good defense. Washington is going to go with Vic Beasley. Brian Arakpo leaves via free agency. You got to go and get another elite pass rusher in. Vic Beasley is going to be that guy. And then the Jets, I think you know, why not go for the safest pick? Amari Cooper. You know, he was one of the first guys to visit the Jets. The kid's only 20 years old. He's going to come in and contribute immediately. And not only that, he's going to be good years down the road. People have always, you know, talked about how he got better every single year that he's at Alabama. You know, he constantly feels like he's being underestimated. You know, when he was a recruit coming out of college, there was a lot, like 10-plus guys ranked over him, and that fueled him to become, you know, the best. You know, now people are saying, hey, Kevin White's better than Amari Cooper. So I think that's fueling him as well. You know, you're talking about a guy who comes in right now, he helps you your your team get better now, and he's definitely going to help you once guys like, you know, Marshall and Decker aren't here. So I think it's just a safe pick. You know, the two best pass rushers that would arguably fit best in the Jets defense aren't there. I think you gotta go with Amari Cooper and I, I personally feel really good about the pick. And I think as Seth said too, you know, the GM wants to be you know he wants to have, you know, kind of hit the home run in that first draft and I think just hitting a safe can't miss prospect or the closest thing to a can't miss prospect is the way to
4: go. Yeah, and I can I, I can I want to thank you for calling in and I could I could see that happening. My question is say we like you said all the pass rushers are off the board, all the premier guys are, are off the board already. Um and Cooper sitting there at six, say if we can gain value, maybe a Browns trade and get down, and say we can end up with a, a Jalen Strong. Would you be willing to take that? Would you be willing to take two first-rounders from the Browns, you move down into the team, and you're able to get Jalen Strong? Or would you still stick with taking Amari Cooper at six?
1: I think I'd still say with Cooper at six. I'm not totally sold on Jalen Strong. He's got good hands, but he just doesn't really know how to, you know, get off the line of scrimmage, doesn't get good separation. I'm not sold on him. I'm really not okay. sold on him. And, and plus, what are the Browns trading up to get at six if Mariota and Winston are gone? So why would they be willing to give up two first-rounders?
6: Well, make it
4: yeah, with Gordon, you know, his stuff being up in the air, they could look at wide receiver. There could be there there could be and Amari Cooper is the sure thing here at wide receiver. So with you know, with Gordon being one mistake away from being absolutely gone and out of the league, you know, wide receiver could be a consideration for them. Not saying sure that they would do it. I think it would be stronger for them to go after Mariota. I think that's definitely something that they'd be clamoring at. But but Cooper could definitely be an, an outside option for that. My question is in in the second round, who do you have us uh picking?
1: I definitely, I mean, who knows what's going to happen at wide receiver. So if if my you know prediction holds true and they do take a wide receiver, you know, a guy Jeff Lloyd was really high on, I don't think he's going to last to the second round. Uh, I didn't think that deeply into my mock. You'd love if a guy like Eli Harold falls to the second round or, you know, maybe an offensive lineman, maybe a Lakin Tomlinson, maybe, as uh, other Kyle just said, Ali Marpet. you know, I don't think he's going to last to the third round as Kyle... Possibly suggested. I think he will go in the second round. He's really flying up boards. You know, maybe looking at offensive line. I think it's somewhere that you can definitely go. Um, you know, does Randy Gregory? You know, you guys asked me this last week or two weeks ago, whatever it was. Does Randy Gregory because of his false field concerns fall to the second round? I don't think so. But if he's there, I think you you know maybe even trade up to get him. You know, or, you know, move up a couple spots in the second round because he's that good of a talent and he fits a need that you have.
0: Yeah, no, I definitely agree. Now, before we let you go, is there one player in the first round that you would not want to draft?
1: One player in the first round that I would not want to draft. Uh, I don't want Brandon Sheriff. I, I, you know, I know offensive line is, is important. You know, I played offensive line in high school. I got nothing but respect for anyone who plays offensive line. I just, I don't think he's that good. He's definitely not a tackle. He's definitely not a left tackle. You know, you're talking about DeBrickershaw, He's He's showing his aging. You know, he's not going to be here that many years. So, you know, you draft if you think, okay, maybe eventually he'll replace the Prickashaw. I don't see it happening. And just look at all the guards that have went really early in the past couple of years. Seth brought it up, Jonathan Cooper, Chance Warmack. I mean, these guys have not really panned out. Yeah, you could say um, Zach Martin. Obviously, he was a really good pick. Oh. I just feel like guard at pick six, the value is just not there. So people a lot of people are really high on shirt but I would not like him at this.
0: Fair enough, Kyle. Once again, thanks again for calling, in, man. Thanks for sharing your mock draft as well, man. We appreciate it and you know, we're just the draft is just around the corner, man. So all our questions going to be answered very shortly.
1: <laughs> thanks right, for calling,
0: man. We appreciate it.
1: Anytime, yeah.
0: All right, and we're going to go to our next caller. And this guy, th- these callers are all all very knowledgeable, very smart, and this one's going to be in the same boat, Joe. So We'll bring on Dominic, and Dominic, it's Joe and Tyson. Let's Talk Jets. How you doing, man? Hi, guys. What are you doing up still, man? It's late for you, isn't it? Yeah, I'm watching the Mets game. <laughs> What's on your mind, man?
12: Uh, I was going to talk about the second round, because in the first round, you have guys like, you know, five or six that you think that there's a strong possibility that they could take. In the second round, it's more of, like a mystery, like you can go offense, defense at all, obviously depends on what you do in the first. But I think, uh, re- referencing A.J. can from uh, South Carolina, he's um, like a kind of a mauler in the run game. Like he'll he can drive off the ball. And the Jets, they have a lot of depth at guard, but I don't think they have... Two good starting NFL guards, Willie Holm, you know, he's just been, like, straggling around here for, you know, three years or whatever. And I think he might get cut by training camp, for the end of training camp. So I think he's a guy that they could get in the second round. But a guy that I think they should really get is Devin Smith from Ohio State. He's, a, like, a tracks the ball really well, very fast, like a deep threat. The Jets have Decker and Marshall. You could say they're more possession receivers. I then Curly more quick than fast in the slot. I think Devin Smith would be kind of like a, maybe like a Tory Smith or Deshaun Jackson. Maybe not as good, but maybe like a Tory Smith would be a good p- comparison. I think if he's there in the second round, they should look to get him because he tracks the ball very well. He doesn't he hasn't have much experience running routes, maybe just like the fly route or whatever, or the go route, but I think that he's worthy of a first round pick, and if he lost his second, I think you should definitely take him. Um, another guy, DJ Humphreys from Florida, off on the tackle. I think that he wasn't great at Florida, but I think in the NFL, he's like one of those guys that's projected to be better than he was in college. So I think those three guys, along with Philip Dorsett, maybe a running back, Jay Ajayi, or Duke Johnson, those are kind of the guys. That you're looking at in the second round, and maybe if they don't go pass rusher in the first round, Nate Orchard or I'm not sure pronounce the first name, named Kaha, outside linebacker from Washington. So I narrowed it down to almost like ten guys in the second round, but definitely more of a mystery than the first round because there's a there's a, like a couple premium guys that people want. Oh, not Shane Ray, but uh, in this in the second round, it's more of like I said it three, two times already, but like a mystery who they're gonna take because you don't know like where
4: they're going to go. Yeah, I, I, and I can I can agree with you on, on certain things. I don't know if we'll actually go running back, but I really feel like our, our running back position is full. It's kind of set right now, and I, I think they're going to kind of close off on running back. I could see us going after a wide receiver in that second round. Kevin um, Smith, I mean, if he's there, Phillips Dorsett would probably be my guy. Um, my question is, what are your thoughts about Taylor Lockett? Do you think that Taylor Lockett – could also be a guy that if he was there that we could draft? Uh,
12: I think he's more in a third round. I think it would be a great steal. I think he's more like a curly, more like quick
9: mm-hmm.
12: producing well, but I think they're the same role as like a slot receiver. Dorsett would definitely be different than curly because he's much faster. He can mm-hmm. go deep, uh, run deep routes. So I'm not sure about him in the second round. He's also a third round uh I would definitely consider it if it's not in the second if you if you don't take a receiver in the second and then in the fourth round or the third round I think they could get TJ Yeldon if he falls down <clears throat>
4: okay and I, and I heard you speak about the offensive line as well and you spoke about AJ and Ali I was wondering what do you think about Trey Jackson do you think Trey Jackson is a guy that could be a, a second round steal too
12: uh yeah I think second and third round is his range he doesn't mm-hmm. move very well in, in like terms of pulling, like exactly. blocking linebackers. He doesn't move that well. Like he's kind of stiff, I would say, in the hips. Um but uh he's definitely more like can and tr- can in terms of like run blocking strength. I'm not sure how if he's that great in pass blocks, but I think that's definitely it's more about technique than anything because he has all the tools. So second or third round also Ali Marpet, which Kyle talked about before. I think those two guys in the second and third round, that, that would make me happy.
0: So what's, what's Dominic, what's your ideal one-two picks for the Jets? Like, if you had your your perfect draft from Mike McHagan in the first, second round, who are your two picks?
12: Well, the two spots that I'm kind of worried about are Jacksonville and Washington, because Salah doesn't go to Washington, uh, Jacksonville, so he'll probably go to Washington. So I think... Amari Cooper is, I think it goes, Amari Cooper, I would take him, I would definitely take him over Kevin White. Amari Cooper, I think, would be the pick, unless they're, like, extremely they see Bud Dupree's potential? They see that they think he both can develop him. But I think that Amari Cooper is the safest pick, and if you want to, like, nail the first uh, draft that you have, I think, Cooper at six would be a great start, and then second round, I think outside linebacker if it? I mean, Eli Harold should probably go in the first, but he's kind of on the border between first and second. And then Keith half from Washington, and then uh, Nate Orchard from uh, where do you go? Utah. So I think a wide receiver, then outside linebacker, and then. If Fowler, or Beasley are there, then you definitely take him. That changes it. But that's my two picks that I want the most.
0: Now, is there is there a player in the first round that the, the Jets took that you would definitely not want, like a, a Shane Ray or like one that would just kind of make you scratch your head based on the, like the research that you've done?
6: Um,
12: I wouldn't like an offensive lineman at six. Wouldn't like make me crazy. But like wouldn't. But sorry about that. But it would not like I think an offensive lineman in the first round. I don't know if there's one worth number six last year. There definitely would be, but this year I don't think offensive line is as good in the draft. So Shane Ray, I don't think he's worth a top six pick, maybe top fifteen, but I don't know about him. Uh, so Shane Ray and offensive line probably.
0: Fair enough. Donna. before we let you go, man, you always do a great job each week breaking down players and sharing great information. What is it, What is your Twitter handle?
12: It's at, at D-FITZ, D-F-I-T-Z, 9477.
0: Cool. We'll make sure we get it out there because you, you do a great job each week, man. We definitely appreciate you calling in.
12: Thank you.
0: Have a good night, man. You too. Well, Joe. I mean, we just went through a rapid fire group of callers here. And first off, I, I want I to first off, I start uh, thanking Dalvin Osorio from Turn of the Jets for joining us and giving us a good thirty-five minutes of just sharing his mock draft and insight on all the players. And then to all the callers. I mean, there's strong takes on Gino, Mariota, Winston, Amari Cooper. You name it. We've talked about it. And it's first of all, I appreciate everybody calling it. But there, there's a lot to talk about, Joe. Wow, it's
4: it's pretty crazy right now. Man, we covered so much. I want to thank all the callers for for calling in. And Devin as well, just an awesome guy, super knowledgeable. But especially our younger callers, too, calling in, just bringing the heat, bringing the knowledge and draft analysis. You guys are awesome, man. Thank you, everyone, for calling in.
0: Yeah, and, we're, and next week we have a special guest lined up for next week um, prior to the draft. He'll be joining us Tuesday night to give us some insight in the Jets, the team. He's an he's a NFL insider. And then following the draft, Sunday night following the draft, 7.30 Sunday night, which I believe is May 3rd, we're going to have a special show recapping the Jets draft with Ron Pickett joining us. So be sure to tune in with that. We'll go over all the Jets picks. And then for some of the guys you may not know about, Ron Pickett will break it down for us. So be sure to tune in for that. Um, Joe, do right? you want to share like our Facebook information?
4: Oh, absolutely. Everyone, please. I'm a man of the people. Go search <laughs> our Facebook, Long Beach Joe on Facebook. All right, friend our stuff. Listen to our content. There's tons of discussion going on there back and forth. We have a lot of healthy discussion about the Jets over there. Join the discussion. Come talk to us. My Twitter is J 0 Okay, that's three zeros, J 0 youngj000. Follow me. Tweet me, troll me. I will troll you back. You can also watch my videos on YouTube as well. That's YoungJ00, two zeros YouTube, three zeros on Twitter. Comment, rate, subscribe, guys. I love everyone that that talks to me, that that comments. I will comment back as soon as possible. There's tons of you guys. And, hey, I see you in person. You already know what it is. Free hugs, man. Free hugs (laughs) for everyone.
0: You know, it's funny. There was a name that was mentioned a couple times tonight that made me think of something, Joe. And I I know that. Oh my God!
4: I was (laughs) hoping. You know what? Hey, man, you mentioned you mentioned you
0: mentioned mentioned Zach Martin. I think Notre so I had to throw that in there.
6: But um, I wanted a bar. Please be uh, sure uh, we're terrible. also on, we're
0: also on Instagram too. Let's talk Jets. But once again, Joe, thank you for your time. Uh, thank you to D. A. Osorio and to all our callers. We definitely appreciate it. And like I said, next week we have a special guest Tuesday night, and then we'll do a, a draft recap show Sunday night at seven thirty. So, hope everybody's a good night. The countdown that the draft is on, and we'll talk to you guys next week. Mm.